Pray with me this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift you've given to us of your word, the Bible. We pray that as we explore it this morning, you would find us prepared to not just hear it, Father, not just be hearers of the word, but doers of the word as well. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. My first car was a 1963 Corvair. It was a four-door, um, which made it really handy when I was toting the debate team around town in high school. Unfortunately, it was a 1963 Corvair. I don't know if you ever heard of the book, Unsafe at Any Speed. It was written about my car. Various things happened. One time the oil pan just fell off. Uh, the fan belt was arranged in a weird way that it kind of had to curve over the engine block so it would regularly pop off. I'd have to pull over, get out a screwdriver, and put the fan belt back on. Uh, one day I had the entire debate team in the car with me. Yes, I was a debate team nerd. I had the entire debate team in the car with me, and we were headed downhill towards going back to the high school after one of our debate things, and, and, and suddenly I realized that the steering wheel would, yes, turn, but there was no relationship between me turning the steering wheel and what the wheels of the car were actually doing. Mild panic set in, and if you've ever seen a debate team in mild panic, you'll know it's, it's a frightening sight. Fortunately, the car slowed down enough and wound its way over to the curb, and finally I stopped it, and yeah, I had to get the steering fixed. And I compare that sometimes to those really cool transportation systems out there. Like Batman has the Batmobile. That is a cool car. The President of the United States has Air Force One. I don't know if you've ever been close up to Air Force One. That is a cool ride. Even here, amongst our own group of folks, we, we have somebody who owns a royal limousine. I've been in it. Pastor Laura, when she preached, they brought the limousine for her to take her out to lunch. It's a really cool ride. I pastored in uh, Cripple Creek, Colorado for a little while while I was doing some study for the uh, denomination, the Baptist denomination there, to see how to respond to the introduction of limited stakes gambling. In, Col in Cripple Creek, Colorado, every year they have a race that they call Donkey Derby Days. And the reason they do this is in that area, Teller County, Colorado, there's this wild group of wild uh, burros, donkeys, that just wander around wherever they want. And once a year, they try to corral those donkeys and get on a few of them and try to get them to do a race. The donkeys usually do not cooperate very well with this endeavor. But these wild burros, they just roam around town. And so... One Sunday, I came out of, uh, stepped out of the church between our Bible study hour and our worship hour, and there were a group of these donkeys in the parking lot. One of them was chewing on one of our guests' car's uh, mirror, which, I have to say, the guests did not appreciate very much. Donkeys. And given by the fact that donkeys are by some really uninformed folks considered to be an uncool form of transportation, 
What does it say to us that Jesus chooses to make his triumphant entry into Jerusalem on a donkey? He doesn't land on Air, in Air, in Air Force One, heaven one. He, he, he comes in on a, on a donkey. And that episode in Jesus' life is just one of the things in today's passage that point to Jesus as the one who saves us from our sins. He is the Messiah. He is the anointed one. He is the Savior. And he's up to stuff. And we should be excited about what he's up to. So I'm going to invite you this morning to turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 11, verse 1. I'm going to read down through verse 11. If you're using the Pew Bible in front of you, it's on page 1572. The Gospel of Mark, chapter 11, verse 1. As they, they as Jesus and his disciples, approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, Why are you doing this? Say, The Lord needs it and will send it back here shortly. They went and they found a colt outside in the street tied at a doorway. As they untied it, some people standing there said, Hey, what are you doing untying that colt? They answered as Jesus had told them to, and the people let them go. When they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks over it, he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, while others spread branches they had cut in the fields. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming of the kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Jesus entered Jerusalem and went into the temple courts. He looked around at everything, but since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. From this passage, we can get several things, and we need to cement these things in our minds, and we get this first thing that Jesus is the Lord who saves. That's what Hosanna means. That's what that announcement of praise means in verses 9 and 10. Now listen, all of the folks in that crowd probably didn't figure out. Sometimes there's a little crowd mentality or crowd effect, and some people just probably started shouting Hosanna because, you know, everybody else was. But even though everybody in that crowd did not get it, we should get it. We should get it. The picture in this text points to Jesus as the Messiah. This imagery that's happening is deliberately appropriated from the Old Testament book of Zechariah, chapter 9, verse 9. Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See your king comes to you. Righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. By the way, that reference in the book of Zechariah is one of over 300 specific prophecies in the Old Testament about the coming Messiah. And math folks who like math, I don't understand that, but some people who like math have calculated the odds of Jesus fulfilling just eight of those prophecies. One in 10 to the 17th power. One in 10 to the 17th power. You know, that's really small. And the thing about this 
passage, one of the th- another thing about this passage is that in the past, up till now in the Gospel of Mark, Jesus has been veiled in his language about himself. That's not going to happen anymore. He tells his disciples to go fetch the donkey, and he says, tell them the Lord needs it. Crystal clear to the people who heard that command. The Lord needs it. So let's not miss this this morning. Jesus is the Lord. He's the one who died for our sins. It is not enough to be a nice guy or a nice gal. Because our niceness is still stained by sin. There's a movie coming out that Pastor Laura and I are going to go see about Mr. Rogers. Have you seen it advertised? It looks like it's going to be really, really good. And Mr. Rogers had this really endearing personality that drew people in. But you know what? He was a minister of the gospel, a pastor in the Presbyterian church. And so he was motivated to do what he did by the love of Jesus Christ. He wasn't just a nice guy. He was a guy who had a relationship with Jesus which impacted absolutely everything that he did, including his neighborhood. Wouldn't it be great if you and I had been so captivated by our relationship with Christ that we too influenced our own neighborhoods? Wouldn't that be great? Mr. Rogers would look down on us from heaven and smile about that. But look, in this passage, Jesus will not force his way upon us. He's humble. Verse 7, he sits on a donkey. Jesus' entrance into Jerusalem is not a normal royal entrance. I've talked before about our Americans' fascination with British royalty, watching all those shows, and yes, Netflix season three of The Crown is coming out on November 17th. There's going to be somebody in our household, I won't mention any names, who's going to insist that we watch that show. Back when uh, Queen Elizabeth II had her royal jubilee, she was pulled through the streets of London in a gilded carriage by white horses, preceded and followed by a royal escort with those funny hats White horses. That that carriage that she was in was commissioned to be built by King George III. You remember King George III, right? He's the whole, we don't want to be British anymore, King George III. We're going to have a revolution, King George III. You remember King George III, right? He commissions this carriage. And when he had it built, it cost the equivalent in today's dollars, of about a million dollars. It wasn't a cheap ride. And that's what we expect, though, from royalty, right? We expect that kind of extravagance. But Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords, he approaches in a humble way. And it's a mark of who he is and how he approaches people. Oh, by the way, though, Jesus' next entrance, trumpets, Loud voice, it won't be quite the same as this entrance into Jerusalem. But not only that, this passage shows us that Jesus is the one who knows. The technical word we use for this to describe God is omniscience. That means he knows everything. So he knows when he tells his disciples to go get the donkey that everything is going to be in place exactly 
the way he described it. Now, I have to say that in our day and time, there are people who advertise that they know everything. Maybe you know somebody like that. But there are also people who kind of do it for a profession. For example, there's a lady named Sonia who is, by her advertisement, a pet psychic. Now, I know that animals and our pets, they have particular personalities and they uh, react to us in particular ways depending on who they, what they are, what breed they are, whatnot. But this lady is a, a pet psychic. Episode 201, she uncovered the secret shared between an owner and her horse. Episode 203, she mended a broken relationship between a Welsh corgi, a monkey, a horse, and their human companions. Episode 204, she dealt with high emotions for a territorial iguana, a jealous parrot, and a pampered pig. Episode 205, she explored the pet memories of a lonely gibbon. Episode 208, she ascertained the source of aggression in a hawk with an identity problem. (laughs) Episode 211, Redmond the tortoise, Duchess the rabbit, and Boo the dog shared their thoughts and concerns with Sonia. Call me slightly skeptical. But we have, unfortunately, in the, in the world of, uh, of Christianity, we've had from time to time charlatans show up there as well. Steve Martin, one of my favorite actors, starred in a movie in 1992 called Leap of Faith. He played a faith healer. And their scam was they had people mixed in with the crowds that were showing up and kind of listening into conversations, communicating by radio to Jonas, his name was Jonas Martingale in this story, communicating what their condition was. And so Jonas would appear to be omniscient and recognize what was going on in the lives of these people. By the way, that film was in the fictional town of Rustwater, Kansas, actually filmed in Plainview, just north of Hayes. Fakes, pretenders are out there. But Jesus is the real deal. He knows what's happening here in this passage. He knows what's happening in your life. He's aware of every struggle that you have, and he is just waiting for you to turn to him and say, Lord, help me. But by the way, he is also the one who calls for obedience. Did you see the words that were really commands in this passage? Go, untie, bring, say. These were not just suggestions from Jesus These were calls to obedience. And we can't escape the fact that a relationship with Christ calls us to obedience as well. It's not, though, one of those things where, oh, we have to fill in the blank. The relationship with Jesus is a response of gratitude in which we can say we get to fill in the blank. And when we do that, we should be precise in our obedience. They, verse 6, answered as Jesus had told them to do, following instructions 
is important. Unless they're stupid instructions. On a Sears hairdryer, do not use while sleeping. (laughs) On a bag of Fritos, on a bag. You could be a winner. No purchase necessary. Details inside. (laughs) On a bar of soap, directions. Use like regular soap. Some uh, swan frozen dinners used to have this serving suggestion, defrost. Directions. Directions. Can be ridiculously stupid. But when Jesus calls us to be his disciples, we sign up to do God's stuff God's way. And his instructions are always exactly right. Like the instruction we have to share the good news about the need for a personal connection with Christ beyond just being nice. Like the instructions about investing ourselves in supporting the work of the kingdom with our tithes and offerings. Uh Uh-oh, he talked about money. Or like the instructions to to grow in our faith, to to be so enamored with the truth in the gospel that we cannot help but be in our Bibles on a regular basis. And we should also be ready in following Jesus in obedience to hold nothing back, nothing back in our expressions of worship and service toward him. I love that hymn, All to Jesus I Surrender. Be careful what you sing. And in this passage, there are a couple of examples of extravagant worship and service toward Jesus. The donkey owner who said, okay, take him. Take him to the Lord. Okay, go ahead. Take it. Here it is, Lord. Take it. How many of us live our lives like that? Here it is, Lord. Take it. Or the people who were greeting Jesus on his way into Jerusalem, who took off their cloaks and threw them on the ground in front of the donkey. The donkey would trample all over it. And being a donkey, probably left some presents behind as he went. When I was in the Air Force, Cheyenne, Wyoming, Frontier Day celebration every July... The base there, Francis E. Warren Air Force Base, participates in the parade by bringing along and displaying these missile uh, carrier vehicles, the transporter erector, they called them, because it would carry the missile, and then you got to the missile site, it would lift itself up so you could drop the missile into the launch facility. But we brought these downtown to participate in the parade, and inevitably they put the, this giant Air Force vehicle, which had been washed and made really pretty and looked blue and white, had the American Air Force seal on the side of it. They put this vehicle behind the horses. <laughs> you figured out what happened, right? The coats got soiled in front of the king, But which would we rather have? A clean coat that's never been used by the king? Or a soiled one because it has been used by the king? Which would we rather have? 
I can remember vividly in Colorado and Woodland Park when we moved into a brand new church building. I mean, it was brand spanking new. And immediately on the part of some people, panic set in because it might get dirty. And there were kids running around, and you know kids. The first crayon on the wall, our church treasurer almost had a heart attack. And I said to him, Bob, what would you rather have? The opportunity to erase this crayon mark off the wall or cobwebs growing in the corner because there's nobody here? Which would you rather have? So if we participate with this Jesus who's humble and calls us to himself, but who is the Lord and calls for obedience to us, what do we do with that? We anticipate that God is at work around us. What was Bugs Bunny's favorite question? What's up, Doc? What's up, Doc? How about if we start to live our lives by asking, what's up, God? And finding out what that is. Discerning what that is and and joining him in his work. What's up? What's up? This sense of readiness and, and looking forward and and wanting to know what's next. And I don't care. I don't care. I do not care. If we're 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 or 60 or 70 or 80 or 90, I don't care. If we're here, God's up to something. And he's calling us to participate in it with him. There's a woman in a nursing home. Had a big party. They were celebrating her 100th birthday. The pastor asked her, do you have any kids? And she said, not yet. (laughs) We need to embrace the humble one who saves us. God is up to something in our lives and in the lives of the people around us. We need to be those people. What's up, God? And when we discern what's up, we need to get our coats dirty and get in on it. Pray with me this morning. Father, we thank you for your work. We thank you for the ways in which you have worked around us. We ask that you meet us as we ask you the question, what's up? And we give ourselves to you in the same way that Jesus has given himself to us. We pray in his name. Amen.